Hello everyone, I'm Frank Garza with Lean Startup Company, and it's my pleasure to welcome you to the show. Today's topic is how to use Lean Analytics in mobile game development, and moderating the discussion is our own Lean Startup Company faculty member, Elliot Suzel. Our guest is Chief Data Officer at Social Point, Aviv Stern. And with that, I'll hand things off to Elliot. Hello, my friends, and welcome. My name is Elliot Susel, Senior Faculty Member at Lean Startup Company. And today, we have the pleasure of chatting with Aviv Stern about the intersection of Lean Startup with data and analytics. And he works at a company that makes mobile games. So I'm really eager to hear about this intersection. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. So a uh, ton of stuff to talk about today. Uh, here's what I think we ought to cover. We just start by getting a little bit of your background. Like how did you arrive at Lean Startup as a practice that is relevant and, and relevant in the realm of the data science that you're doing? Um, and then from there, I want to hear about the stuff that you're doing currently uh, with Lean Startup and data. And like data is so essential to the practice of Lean Startup and yet getting perfect data getting accurate data, getting the whole picture from a small subset of data is really hard to do. So I'm super pumped to talk about all of that. Fantastic. That sounds like a lot to cover. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, but, uh, just a tiny ask I have of you, right? We're going to squeeze all that into like 30 minutes. So we'll, we'll see how far we get. Sounds good. So starting at the beginning, I was doing uh, data back when it was still called business intelligence. And it's always been about the same thing. You can call it decision support systems, you can call it analytics, but <clears throat> it's always about trying to find a way that data can benefit the business, that the business can do the business better. I've been, I started my career working with uh, Fortune 100s and more of a corporate approach, but then at some point I realized I'm much more interested in user behavior and the new type of big data, the new type of applications of data, Less, I was doing banking and I was, they're very smart about their data, but it's a different type of questions. Mm. So I found my way into really trying to work in a scenario that's a lot less structured. The industries are usually much more uh, evolving, much more dynamic, and also at a much earlier stage. There's a lot less regulation, and you have to be very, very agile in how you approach things. This is also from a technology perspective. This was about the time when the data world shifted from a structured data warehouse approach to a big data data lake approach. So just caught up in that tidal wave of massive shift in how we approach data science became one of the most common tools we use to answer questions. Uh, and along that path, I found myself doing mainly working with mobile apps and games in particular. Uh, that's how I found myself doing the sort of work that I'm doing now. Uh, and it's always been at the core of it, trying to, like you said, collecting the right data when you have partial data, understanding how you can extrapolate. One of the things that people really, the thing about Lean Startup is, one of the things I really love about it is that it, at its core, it's very data-driven. Each of the stages, like build, measure, learn, has integrated into it a data intrinsic approach, which really helps when you're trying to convince founders or when you're trying to convince small product teams to invest in data. It really helps 
sell it. And that's not a trivial thing. One of the things that you see often is doing data and doing agile product development are not synonymous. Sometimes they even compete. If you want to say one of the common arguments or one of the common uh, battles you need to win very early on is convince product people to do A-B testing, convince product people to wait for an analysis before starting to work on the next version because you're slowing them down. They yeah. know what they're doing. You know, it's yeah, let me tell you something. Um, I don't know if it takes a lot of convincing for your product person to help them understand why it matters to know for sure whether or not something is worth building might might be time for a new product person. And I'm, <laughs> I'm saying that only half jokingly, right? Because because look, look, if you if you're building the right thing, you are amplifying the effectiveness of your engineering organization profoundly, right? And yes. so many engineering organizations say like, yeah, like half of what we build isn't used. And I'm like, how do they know that? Well, the engineers are looking at the data because they want to know. I built this thing. Is anybody using it? As soon as they have access to that kind of stuff, they're looking at it. So um, the idea that a product person will be so overwhelmed and so busy that they uh, don't have time to do these things properly means the environment is broken and we need to go fix the environment. And if they don't understand like why that stuff matters, then maybe it's time to go fix the players on the field. But your point is totally spot on which is that the right data at the right time for the right things can profoundly influence a decision. Should we build this or should we build that? How do we know that this is a real problem that we want to go yeah. and solve? And so um, it sounds like you encountered that pretty early on in your career before uh, we started recording, you were mentioning there's a, there's a few startup experiences that maybe led you to the lean startup as a methodology. Yeah. The, like most startup experiences, they were the failing kind, uh -huh, the, very, uh -huh. the very educational kind. I had a startup a few years ago that I was working with a friend of mine. Uh, this was about 2011, 2012, when the data science uh, application to business, there was still a lot of ground to cover with graph databases. And we were sure we we're going to change the world. And we bootstrapped for about a year. The short, the short version of it, we bootstrapped for a year. We had an amazing algorithm that was sure to renovate, completely innovate how people did anything. And uh, we found out about a year into it that no one wanted to see what it is, care what it is, use it. MIT basically snatched them up to the media lab, and that's where it ended. Mm. And this was a, took us a year to really come to that question of, who would use this? What's this good for other than being a lot of fun to work on? And I think that kind of led me to question how I was going about developing solutions. And that's how I found myself really shifting the approach I had to projects to be much more lean, really focusing very early on about validating. The thing about Lean Startup, the thing I love about this is I don't only love, I really love, so Social Point, the company where I'm at in 2018 was a very interesting year for them. They've been acquired by Take-Two and they've been adopting their portfolio of games. They already have very successful, very well-established products, but they've adopted their portfolio to have sort of a, an in-house incubator and be doing this lean approach around game development. Mm. So I'm saying that, that was very interesting to be the analytics partner to a company that does or is moving to a very lean startup approach. But the other thing that I really love about lean startup is 
It also applies when you work internally, when you're trying to convince a set of product people to use certain metrics and not others. You, so here's what happened at Social Point. I joined Social Point at about the time they were really focusing on shifting a lot of the development processes and a lot of the teams to very lean, small teams, which has been done in the industry. Supercell's done this very well. And how do you go from a company that's highly optimized to running very successful, well-established products into having sort of an assembly line? Well, one of the first things you need to say is, what is a good game? What are the indicators that I wanna, how do I validate the product market fit of a very, very first version of a game? And that creates a discussion. Now, Social Point, when I joined them, already had very well established analytics. This department was already existent. There were a lot of metrics. Then the discussion was not about should we use data. It was about out of all the data we have, which data should we use? Yeah. And what I love about those cases is Lean Analytics already has that and already answers that. So within the Lean Startup, you know there's gateways depending on the stage of the product, you know which KPIs you need to focus on, which metrics matter most. And that's, I think that's, Lean Startup doesn't only help you create very good products, it also helps you identify when you're creating data solutions, even for an internal audience, really validate what are the most important questions to answer. Yeah, and I wanna hit on that really quickly because look to your point. The question is what do I need to know right now yeah to strengthen the position of this product or to even determine whether or not this is a product that's worth building, right? To, to your argument earlier about like, is this a game we should even build in the first place? And it turns out if you can figure that out a fraction of the time and a fraction of the money, you get a whole lot more opportunities to find a game that really is exceptional. And I do want to call attention to the reference you made earlier to Supercell, um, although folks may not have heard of Supercell, uh, by that name, they probably have heard of Clash of Clans yeah. uh, and per perhaps Clash Royale, which is another game they built. And they've got a whole set of games built off of right this this one like major success it seems that they had. So, how do you figure out what game is worth pursuing? Because although to an outsider it might seem like anyone could make any kind of game and be wildly successful and make <laughs> a lot of money, right? I'm sure you can tell us that the opposite is true. True. And so the question becomes, what must we learn right now in order to determine whether or not we move forward? And in Lean Startup parlance, this, of course, we call a leap of faith assumption. Yes. Might be like small number of things that must be true to be worth going further. So I'd be curious to hear how you guys approach like determining what metrics you should be looking at. And I guess you alluded a little bit to a part of that, which is like at, at a different stage in a game's development, you're looking for different things, right? Yes. So the so, thing is, um, one of the biggest discussions, oh, sorry? Well, I, I would be curious to hear, like, if you could walk us through, like, each of those stages, like, what are the sorts of things you look at as a gaming company to try to figure out, should I build it? And then you tell me the next stage might be, like, something around optimizing it or increasing revenue. I'd be yeah. very curious to hear examples of, like, the, the ways that you're doing that. So there's two things. So social point is a very interesting case because you have to build when you're talking to the executive team and you're talking to the heads of product, you basically have to answer two questions. One, how do I know that a game is doing well with the regards to a game that's running for a long time? And that in its core is a balanced scorecarding act practice. 
At its core, it's about defining what are the key KPIs you want to look at when you have a game that already has a user base within the hundreds of, mil hundreds of millions. Then you want to say, what do I need to do when I'm talking about something that's completely new, that's hitting the market in a month, and you have to, well, technically, you also have to completely change how you collect data and be much more willing to deal with smaller user bases, the things you can test. It's very easy to do an A-B test when you have millions of active users. It's a lot harder to do A-B tests when you have a game that in total might have 20,000 users. So now I um, imagine most folks that are watching this might be familiar with an A-B test, but could you just sort of walk us through how an A-B test works very, very briefly for those who are hearing this for the first time? Sure. In its core, A-B test is about a statistical, it's a way to put out two versions of something and see which version is better. The reason you want to do this and not just test. So I have a game and I'm making some changes. I want to see the impact of these changes. One way that some very successful studios do this is they would look at the new version over the previous version. The problem is the cohorts changed, the time changed. This could be Christmas and now it's not Christmas. There are other factors that might muddy the water. You don't know if your version is less popular because people are not on holidays. So one of the ways you would do this is at the same time, you'd release two versions of the game. One, let's say control untouched and one with the improvements you wish to measure. That's the yeah. essence of it. Yep, yep, you yep. That, you right? try to hold as much as you can equal so that you can actually compare apples to apples and see which one performs exactly. better. And, and be able to attribute, like, yes, this one performed better. And you know, it's funny, I've done A-B testing before and you were spot on that when you have a smaller audience, right, you can't do as much fun stuff with your A-B testing as you might like to, right? Like in my perfect world, I change one small thing and see if that one small thing made a difference. But to get to statistical significance, to know for certain that you're having the impact, like that would take a very long time potentially. So what's often done is called a kitchen sink style test where you change a bunch of stuff all at once. Exactly, exactly. Throw the kitchen sink at it is where that expression yeah. comes from. And that's often what I've done is those kitchen sink style tests. Of course, then it's hard to figure out which things like helped and which things actually ended up hurting the new variant. Um, yeah. But anyways, A-B testing is one form of testing that that is lean startup-esque that uh, you're establishing a hypothesis and you prove or disprove. Yes. I'd be curious to hear, I mean, is there something that you're doing before A-B testing, like in the very early stages of the game? Sure. Or a game idea even. Like, how do you, how do you figure out that like, this is an idea that we want to pursue, right? Like, should it be dragons or should it be zombies? Or like, like I, don't, I don't know, right? Like, big picture. Yeah. Like, how, do, how do you take this idea and, and zero in on something more to a final form? So that's a very, that's fantastic question. How before you even have a product, how do you validate? And that's one of the brilliant things is you see examples of people testing products that are not even there. They're testing the product market fit of an idea. And there are well-established ways to do this with games. One of the things we do is play testing. Another thing you can look at is, so this industry is full of very brilliant, very creative people. And they seem to have, an innate intuition to what is fun. And again, this is by no means uh, an accurate science. The accurate science, the empirical part comes in after you have something. But what you want to do initially is you can use qualitative analysis. And it is something that we 
and many companies in the industry do, is have some ideas, have some presentations, and you will have two audiences. One would be a group of people who really understand about this, say founders of a company that know about games, and you'd pitch them the idea. And that pitch at its core is very similar to pitching a startup. You'd want, you say, I'm pitching a match three. This is the theme. This is the market I'm aiming at. This is my differentiator versus the competition. And that's one process you go through before you even get to thinking about coding. The other thing you do is when you have a very simple, so we had a hackathon last month. And one of the things you want to do is you want to develop multiple cases of games that people think might be fun. And then you try them out. So you go very lean, very minimal investment, and you try to have as many MVPs as you can, and then just throw them all at the wall and see what sticks. So now, yeah. tell me a little bit more about, use the word playtesting, right? Does that yeah. mean, for instance, you create like a board game version of the game and like play a bit, or like, to, talk to me more about that. So it really depends on the sort of company and the sort of game you want to do. Mm -hmm. uh, some games are pretty easy to create, like you can take, have just a day and just write something that will be very close to a match three. If you want to do some RPG games or some of the things that are more, some of the new prototypes we have are much more about open world roaming and there's a lot of combat there. You have to invest a bit more. Mm. So it really depends on the sort of game you're doing. If you're doing a game that's a world, a crossword, you can pretty much code it. If mm. it's about more of a complex technological solution. We usually just use screenshots and explain the concept of it. And you can do it with various audiences. You can talk to your users, one of the assets you have when you're a company that has a big user base. You can really check and validate those kind of ideas with them. Now, nice. it's always biased. Let's put it out there. This will always be biased. Anything that doesn't involve as we say in the Lean Startup Approach, getting out of the building, anything that doesn't involve interacting with the real market will always be biased, but it can give you some very valuable hints and pointers about what is it about this idea that appeals to people? What is this about the idea that is not very effective? And that's pretty interesting to do. Yeah, the uh, language that I use for that is directional feedback. Yeah. Right, the thing that you're looking for in the early stage, and this is so interesting because, you know, you're the chief data officer, but it's this qualitative and this quantitative, both valuable, right? And that initial feedback helps you understand, like, and I now I'm making this up, right? But like, you know, maybe dragons isn't working, but, and I'm going to use this metaphor again, but like zombies for some reason is really resonating with this group at this time sure. for some reason. Um, sure. And you'd never get that from just looking at raw data potentially around usage, unless you're doing like a survey or something that you ask about it, right? But right. that interview allows you the opportunity to really explore, oh, well, why do you feel that way, right? Or what about that is interesting or not interesting, right? They, they may say, I just really like zombies or I just really like dragons or whatever that thing is. Um, and I, I think that's interesting. So you guys do interviews, you guys create prototypes in the form of, uh, some combination of images that represents the, the game and also in a you know, non-final but pretty quick and iterative uh, style of creating a variant yeah. or early version prototype. Yep, it cool. could be a presentation, could be a mock-up and it could actually be a playable, very ugly, very 
lacking in textures, but gives you the experience of moving around and interacting with things as the games would. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, okay, so now here's something I want to shift gears and, and talk about a little bit, which is uh, in the realm of the data itself. So one thing that I really think is one of the more challenging aspects of Lean Startup is getting actionable data and um, actionable metrics in using full innovation accounting. Innovation accounting is a discipline by which we um, are gathering data scientifically and also are holding people accountable to the metrics that really matter. And I'll give an example of kind of an actionable metric. We'll define this for the audience because an actionable metric in Lean Startup language is something that directly correlates has a direct relationship to the actual success or failure of the product or business. Whereas a vanity metric tells you nothing about the actual success or failure of a business. Let me give an example. Very common vanity metric is downloads. Now, if it's a paid download, that's actually an actionable metric. But if it, if downloads tell you nothing about how much people have paid, how much people have played, whether or not they like it, it's a vanity metric. Looks cool, sounds cool, means nothing, right? Whereas an actionable metric is a direct relationship from like, yes, the more of this I get, the better I know my business is doing. Let me give an example. Um, for a time, I worked at a company called Taxi Magic. And uh, one of the ways that we made money is every time someone took a ride. Now you would think that rides would be an actionable metric because the more rides people take, the more money we make. But what influences the number of rides that happen on any given day? Is it because we launched a new feature? Or is it because it's raining? Or it's a holiday? Or the time of day? Or day of week? right? Or season of the year? It, so if we can't actually correlate a change in the metric to an actual meaningful business outcome, then it's a vanity metric. And, it, and it's certainly not an actual metric, and it's hard to make decisions on that. I, at one point, when I was working at this company, uh, Taxi Magic, where our ride volume was going up, and I said, well, yeah, that's cool, but is it going up any more than smartphone adoption? Right? Like, how do we know the changes we're making are actually helping? So talk to me a little bit about that. Um, and I, I get that this is kind of actually a tough topic and a very advanced topic, not to put you on the spot. Um, but is this something that, that you guys are, are thinking about or have encountered or addressing? Definitely. So one of the things that happens when you have a group of very smart people is they have, they have ways of, so look at it this way. I have more than a dozen heads of games, which is basically each one of them is its own studio and they could do multiple iterations or multiple games with different IP. And each of them has their way of making decisions. You need to find a way to shape their decisions and bring them things that make value. So one of the things you, we're talking a lot about what happens when a product hits a market and you want to evaluate the impact on a product market fit. But one of the things we're doing is we're trying to estimate the product market fit before the feature even gets all out. So they have to prioritize, they have a list of improvements they wanna do. A dragon for Halloween, a new island, a new maze, and we only have a set amount of resources, even as a very big company. Mm -hmm. So you have to prioritize. And one of the things that analytics is doing is we're trying to come up with a way 
to not just analyze the impact post-factum, but before we do it, help them prioritize. And then you can do things like looking at what's gonna be the number of users the day after you roll this out, but that's not necessarily a lever. What you're really looking for is levers. You wanna say, does this not drive the number of users who are gonna be active that day, but does this drive the duration of the session? People who engage with this, are they more likely to enjoy the game? Will they invite friends? So there's always this debate about, there's a lot of data you can collect. Are you collecting the data that's gonna change decisions? Yeah. And at, at the end of the day, when we say, is this actionable? We say, okay, what's gonna change? If you tell me something like the split of devices, tell me which devices are playing my games. What do I do with this? Where's the action? Tell me, okay, I, I know the split between iOS and Android. What do I do with this? If you can tell me within a specific market that devices of a specific price are more interesting, that's something I can work with. I can change the way I target. But just giving me a, a pie chart with a split, that's a vanity metric. I mean, it's really nice to know that I'm getting played by HTC devices to a certain extent, but come on. Like, what am I gonna do with this now? Yeah, so right. It's always, always, this is what I mean when I say Lean analytics really helps you differentiate, distinguish between the metrics that are just not very usable to the metrics that are most interesting for you right now. One of the things when a product hits the market is, what's the first thing you measure? You have a, an early game game, early version game. It's already been out there for a while. It's been played in certain countries. It has demonstrated that people will retain. What do I measure now? Do I measure conversion? or do I measure the average spend? I have a game, it's being played, some players are buying. What is the most important thing for me when I'm focusing right now? And let's look at the one metric that matters. Let's look at that approach within the Lean Analytics. What is the most important to me when I'm at that stage of the game? Should I be focusing on adding content? Should I be focusing on adding offers? And if I am focusing on adding offers, what would be the most important one? So we, you could say conversion, by the way. You could say I want more users to enjoy the game so much they're buying some of the content. But the risk with that is I can put a whole lot of offers out there for one cent. Everyone will buy. Like everyone will gonna be, oh look, I can get a better dragon for one cent. I can have a special island, special content. You're optimizing for conversion. That's a risky thing to do. You might wanna be looking at a different KPI, which is more actionable and gives you a better context, which is the spend that users have, their average revenue per user. So that decision about what am I going to be measuring at which stage of the game has very dramatic implications on what am I developing? Which features of the game am I focusing my attention on? Yeah, no, that, that makes a, a ton of sense to me. Um, and you know, I've, I've played games where they launch a new feature and it totally flops and it's such a bummer, right? Because in the gaming industry, like it's a very, very competitive industry sure. and like the damage done by launching a feature that does not work or does not uh, actually excite your user base is actually very, very costly. So to that end, when you're thinking about which metric to measure, um, how do you choose, right? And, and something I've done in the past is to maybe have a business model right, where we actually do the math and figure out which of these levers do we think financially makes the biggest difference? Is that something that you guys do or, or how do you actually make some of those decisions? 
We do. Actually, that's a very good question. Also, something you touch upon, uh, feature can have an adverse effect. And the most, and even worse than that, a feature could have a super high fit with a very small subset of the users and a very adverse effect on some others. I could be creating something that for people who enjoy the cooperative part and the team battles would be very, very attractive, but for the others would be a drain and actually lower their engagement with the game. So you're always looking at hmm. how do I measure the positive impact and what am I aiming for? But every time you put something out there, you also measure defensively that you're not breaking core yeah. concepts or not breaking your uh, implicit agreement with the users. You're giving them a certain type of experience. If you go off the rails or you have something that's very innovative, it could be very good, but it could also be very damaging. Yes. So we do try before we release things, we do try to look and one of the benefits that you have with companies that already have games out there, you have a lot of knowledge about the preferences of your users and the preferences how users react to certain things. It's very important to wait. And that's where I'm saying data is only as viable as the product people. It only has as much impact as product people let it have. Because I could create a machine that prints money, but if no one wants to integrate that into the development process, I, they need to slow down. It's like you said, you want to test a feature. The perfect scientific way to test that feature is release a version just with that, wait, release another version just as that, but then I'm slowing down development a lot. So sometimes taking a collection of improvements, going the whole way, just throwing it out there as a single version, you're not able to say exactly which of these changes was the most impactful, but as a whole you're seeing, yeah, it is better. Yeah, I'm doing better, I like it. I mean, then you can maybe do a follow-up and analyze which of these is most impactful. But before you go out there, before you even launch a feature, one of the things we really try to do as well as we can, and it's always unknown, there's always assumptions involved, but you get better at this, is what kind of effect will this have on which of my user profiles? Yeah. On the collectors, on the battlers, and you really wanna be, this is critical in an environment that's so competitive because you really need to understand your users and be able to listen to them and really understand what they're enjoying. And yeah, that's something you see features that you put out there, you're sure this is gonna be so amazing, you're sure everything you did, the play testing, everything says, even your early adapters from the user, from the player community, they're so excited about this. And he put it out there and sometimes it's just a meh. Wow. Yeah, it's yeah. so interesting, and you bring up a really cool point, which is that, you know, one of the things that organizations often struggle with is where to find the customers, right? Like, you know, I often advocate for doing customer interviews, but it's not easy to actually find customers to go and do that with. Uh, but if you can actually create a group of people that you can fall back on <clears throat> that are trusted players of the game who aren't going to leak the information that you share with them, but are going to give you feedback, that could be really compelling. Of course, by virtue in be, of being in this special program, they all become biased, but you know, <laughs> yeah, but it's better than nothing, right? Sure. And, and they can be very critical of you. Just by having a special relationship with you doesn't mean that they're very positive. Sometimes they're even more critical. If they tend, if you, some of them can be very conservative because they've been with you for a long time, 
and you come up with a whole new concept or a new uh, aspect that you want to add into your game, they could be the biggest detractors of that approach. While in real life, it might be you might do it despite that, and it will be very successful. So any input that's a small sample, you have to take it with a grain of salt. Mm. But it's good. It's just another data point. At the end nice. of the day, you're just trying to. It's but again, this is for companies to make this commitment and say, yes, I'm willing to do the analysis beforehand. I'm willing to slowly consider various approaches to this and not just run with it because the temptation is just shoot it out there, try versions, see what happens, see what yeah. works. It's also that, that is like every time it's like, oh, yeah, we'll just throw it out there and see what sticks. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Stick a dagger in my heart. Right. Cause it's, it's like, it's, it's basically saying, Oh, we could, there's, there's no way we could ever figure out like what will work or not. And, you know, it's one thing to say we're going to move rapidly and rapidly get feedback. But the yes. idea that we should make major investments in that way, major investments, to me feels really risky in a way that it turns out there's an entire methodology designed to mitigate. Yeah. Awesome. Look, but, but it is true. The one thing is we demand a lot from the stakeholders and the people that work on product, it's our duty to try to be very lean in how we approach things. So one of the things, for example, I cannot demand of a new game to run with huge samples, but I need to find a way for them to be able to A-B test. I cannot say, so I have a stakeholder in Social Point and he's creating a new game. And he comes to me and he asks me, can we do this feature? I will say, let's do this as an A-B test because I wanna make sure that I'm very confident in identifying the impact. Yep. You will say, okay, but you need to be able to do this A-B test without me spending a million dollars on advertising. And I need to find a way to make it happen. I cannot just demand that he does everything the proper way with analysis, with data, and then on the other hand, not give him tools that don't block him <laughs> quickly. Because he's competing with a lot of games. The market is growing super fast. Same way for technology, by the way. One of the things to collect this data you integrate tracking into your product. So you have the game come out and you want to track. When someone clicks a battle, you want to log that. When someone logs into the game, you log that. When someone purchases, that sounds trivial, but that's development. That's pieces of code that you integrate and sensors that you put into your game to be able to see what are people enjoying, what are they playing. And that, that slows down development. That's development cost that instead of adding a new type of dragon, they had to add logging as to who plays with what dragon. And that's a debate, you know, that's not a trivial thing to say to the product people, do less game, do more tracking. That's a demand that's not easy to make. Yeah, you bring up a really interesting point, which is that um, gathering this information comes at some amount of cost. And so to what extent do you rely on the judgment of the product person or game designer, <laughs> right? Who's accumulated their wisdom, hopefully through customer yeah. interactions. Right. What, what I often see in the startup world, and then maybe we'll start to wrap this up a little bit, is that you initially have a CEO who spent a lot of time with customers and that's how they got their idea. And they, were, they weren't customers at the time. They were just people they were interacting with as a part of their daily life. And they have this deep understanding of what the customer wants and needs. But as they grow their organization, they become further and further distant from their customer. But they still feel like they can call shots in the same way that they could when they were interacting with a customer every day. Yeah. Right? And that's when a, a company starts to really hit big problems is that 
suddenly you have these people who were uh, interacting with customers, they are no longer and they're still making all the decisions. Sure. So um, I have really enjoyed this conversation. We have covered a lot of ground. If we had to land on some major takeaways, um, what, what would you say those are? What are the things that you would want people to leave with uh, based on our conversation today? So I think one of the key things to understand is that when you want to introduce data and help the company be more lean, you need to find a way to do it without breaking the speed of product. You have to be very lean about how you approach analytics. The key to that is focus on a very small set of metrics that are actionable. Don't try to cover everything. Don't try to track everything. Be very, very aligned with product and to what is the most important thing with this Within this stage of the product, what is the key thing? Refer to the lean analytics gateways. New product, you want to reach retention. At some point, you want to reach scale, and then virality could be a key thing. So be very aligned as to what you're measuring, how much cost do you take away from product, and just be very, very good at, like you said, product market fit, the fact that this, you had the product and it had product market fit at the beginning, that's not a guarantee that it will be the same way two years later. Always validate, always validate, do your best. You'll still make mistakes, but do your best to estimate the product market fit of your new features. Nice, all right, so putting that in my own words, measure the thing that matters right now. Exactly, that's very good. Right? Find those I'll things. Copy that if you don't mind. That's good, I like it. And then make decisions based on those things, right, so that, you're not spending a bunch of time measuring stuff that you don't need right now because it may not be relevant based on the things that actually do matter. Cool. I love it. I love it. Now, if folks want to find more information about you or Social Point, where can they look? They can look at LinkedIn. I also have a bunch of talks. I think there's a recent one with Data Beers. Uh, or they can just ping me on LinkedIn and I'm happy to answer any questions, share some of my mistakes, how many times I've hit a wall, maybe help them avoid that if possible, and they can catch me on the next GDC in San Francisco and giving a talk there about these aspects. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. Viewers, if you have questions, uh, please do reach out to Aviv or you can send an email to education at leanstartup.co. That's a way you can reach me as well. Again, my name is Elliot Susel. Aviv, it was such a pleasure to have you on the Likewise. show today. Likewise. Awesome. All right, my friends. We will catch you later. And uh, until next time, have fun. Take care, everybody.